You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I am joined by my co-host tonight, Alex Varallo, to talk a little bit about this past Sunday's last-second victory over the lowly Miami Dolphins and a slew of other stories that have popped up in the media this week, some good, some bad. Alex, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, we got ourselves another crazy Jet week. Um should I be surprised? Probably not, but here we are, and uh, we're here to talk through it, as per usual. Yeah, never a dull moment, man. Whether It doesn't matter if these teams winning, not that they ever do that, uh, but even when they're losing, they find ways to make stupid news off the field. A lot of it driven by the stupid media that's obsessed with all the off-field garbage. Uh, this let's get it out of the way because people are talking about it and it's ridiculous that that's even happening. We should be talking about football. Running back Le'Veon Bell was ruled out by the Jets. They were the team told him not to come to practice um, leading up to the game because he had the flu and he was losing weight. And uh, Bell went out bowling with some family and friends. Uh, somebody there saw Bell. Uh, and somehow it got back to the, the 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 rag that is the New York Post. The New York Post reported it like it was a story that mattered. Um, your thoughts, Alex, on this absolutely asinine story that makes me want to vomit, that it's even a topic of discussion. Let's get it out of the way for these morons. Go ahead. Pretty much. You, you, you hit it right, uh, right on the head. Um, this is just nonsensical. Um, Guys out there must be bored and just fishing for any, for any sort of dirty, gritty news that they can latch their fingers onto um, and try to make something out of nothing. And that's exactly what the attempt was. Um, and if anybody just recently saw Le'Veon Bell kind of cleared the air and tweeted within the last hour and just kind of said, I was listening to my doctor's instructions. They told me earlier in the week to, you know, kind of keep away from the team. Uh, because what he had was contagious. Um, there was speculation about, uh, you know, some sort of feud that was going on and a rift between Gase and, and, and Bell, and who knows if there's any sort of uh, validity to that. But at the end of the day, um, this is this should have been a non-issue. Um, and the way that I look at this is, you know, for the people that are rightly so upset with the way the season has gone, and they want to pin everything on Adam Gase, uh, that's perfectly fine if that's your stance. But at the end of the day, um, you, those same people would be ripping Gase for allowing Le'Veon Bell to come into the locker room and possibly get more people sick. Because God forbid, uh, you know, something happened to Sam Darnold, you know, with his mono situation uh, and his uh, immune system, you know, not being completely as strong as maybe it should be. Uh, him getting this style of flu might have knocked uh, Darnold out for the rest of the year. So uh, I don't know why this became a story, but this is kind of how this season has been. Um, 
And, you know, just another day as a Jets fan is kind of how I'm looking at it. But it is a little absurd that this whole story is kind of run right out of, you know, proportion here. So, uh, you know, we have I think to talk what makes about it, it worse is that it's, you know, it's, it's a lost season. The guy is barely a part of the offense. Uh, you know, he he was told by the coach to stay. It would be different if if this was a game where they needed Le'Veon Bell and Le'Veon Bell told the team he wasn't well and then he went out bowling. Then you have a story. But you're talking lost season, guy the coach doesn't use, the guy the coach told to stay away. And he says, all right, well, I'll go bowling. You want, you don't want me to come in? I'm, I'm going to go. I'll bowl. And Adam Gase even said it. Like, look, what, what am I going to do? I can't tell the guy to stay home. Um, which he can't. So to me, Bell did nothing wrong. Season's over. Coach doesn't use him. Uh, he was sick, and they told him to stay away. What the hell is he supposed to do? Sit in his room and and, and pout and and just pace. If he feels well enough to go out, then that's on him to go out. Um, again, especially if the doc, doc tells him don't get near the team. Team says don't get near the team. Team says you're only going to get a few carries anyway. Then just stay away. You know, there's and and go out and do whatever the hell you want. Um, it's not like you're costing the team a playoff berth, and uh, it's you know it's it's just it's such a non-story. But anyway, let's let's get back to football now. Um, so the Jets uh, again playing the uh, the Miami Dolphins, who who beat the Jets fairly handily a few weeks back. Um, Jets pull out a last-second victory, nearly blow it, nearly find a way to lose to the uh, whatever they are, two and nine or three and eight, three and nine Dolphins. Well, three and nine going into the game. Um, Jets jump out to a, a big lead. They're up sixteen nine at the half, and uh, and then they fall behind with just a couple minutes to go, uh, or a minute thirty seven to go, and they manage to come back. Uh, big stories, of course, were well to me the biggest story. Um, it, it's gotten a little bit of talk, but the thing I can't get over is just how dominant the Jets' defense was in the red zone. I mean, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Miami just couldn't get a thing going in the red zone. 21 points, you think, you know, oh, they must have put up a few touchdowns. No, seven field goals. Ben, but don't break defense for Greg Williams. The defensive line was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that that, that was that was so much fun to watch, uh, that defense just clamping down every time they got in the red zone. You know, granted, they're not playing the greatest show on turf, but you are facing a, a, a veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick who – You'd expect that many trips to the red zone to find a way to get in once, and uh, the Jets' defense prevented that, so that was fantastic. Heavy dose of Bilal Powell uh, with with Le'Veon Bell out bowling. Adam Gase decided, hey, let's run the ball, um, and the Jets ran the ball what thirty sometimes, I believe. Bilal Powell looked good, probably but well, it was the best individual rushing effort of the season uh, for a Jets running back. Not you know not nothing. He's not getting him into Canton, but he had a nice day for himself. We saw Ty Montgomery a little bit, and the Jets' offense was, uh, you know, it was even being shorthanded. They lost Griffin early on, and and Alex, what were your thoughts on the performance with 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 Griffin out? I mean, Darnold just relied so much on Robbie Anderson. What were your thoughts on the day Robbie had? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh because he's developed a pretty good rapport with, with Griffin. And, you know, the numbers are, are, or the, I guess the depth with his targets uh, just keep dwindling. And uh, we definitely did not need to see another hit 
especially that early on in the game. Uh, but Daniel Brown stepped in and, and, and did a pretty decent job. Um, and Robbie Anderson continues to be the hottest receiver uh, in New York right now. And uh, I love the chemistry that's being developed between these two. Uh, you know, as we were talking about, you know, at length the last few weeks about should the Jets uh, keep Robbie Anderson in their off-season plans uh, for 2020. And, and I think that what we're seeing right now is the beginning of maybe something that could be potentially great. And uh, there, there definitely seems to be a little bit of a trust uh, factor from Sam to, to him right now. Um, he did almost uh, have a hiccup with a, with a second INT at one play. Uh, but Sam, you know, kind of collected himself and he only had one bad turnover on the day. But, yes, I, I love the chemistry that is building between uh, Robbie and, and Sam. And, and what's great about this is it's not just the, the old one-trick pony-style uh, plays where Sam's just trying to air it out um, and, and Robbie's trying to be, be a deep threat. He's catching balls that are contested. He's, uh, you know, working over the middle of the field. He's working the short and intermediate routes. So Robbie Anderson's pretty much showing that he's, a, a complete receiver. Uh, you know, he may not be the best uh, physical or, you know, blocking style receiver that, you know, Quincy Inunua is, but as far as someone that you can rely on when you need to move the chains in a third down situation, it seems like Robbie Anderson is becoming that guy. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but uh, first we're going to go to phones caller we got a caller calling in from a 517 area code you're on the air caller what's your name what do you got caller you there Hello? i don't hear anything yep me either all right well uh give us a try again if you like uh we weren't hearing anything there so yeah robbie anderson i you know, Alex, I get so tired of having this conversation, but uh, it's just amazing <laughs> to me that people still say it. I don't, I don't know what it is that Robbie Anderson did to some of these people. Um, I don't know if he spoiled. I don't know if he spoiled Christmas for a bunch of children. Um, I don't know if he. Uh, I, I have no idea what Robbie Anderson did, but I still see it, and it still just makes me bang my head against the wall. Anytime I mention Robbie Anderson in a tweet or an art, you know, I'll do an article and say the Jets should try to retain him, or I'll send out a tweet. Big day for Robbie. You know, you can't. This team isn't in a position to lose a bunch or to lose any of their quality players. You got to retain Robbie. And the response is, but he's not a number one receiver. Robbie's not a number one. You can't pay him. He's not a one. Robbie's not an elite receiver. Like. What the hell is it that Robbie Anderson is the only guy that's held to this standard? Like, are we are we going to do out this offseason? Every free agent they sign, I'm going to be like, oh, but that dude's not a superstar. Oh, but that dude's not awesome. Like, oh, oh they just signed a good player? No, he's not great. He, don't, don't sign him. Don't, that, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. Don't sign him. Like, all the guy does is produce when given the opportunity – and for, you know, talk about bad luck, really. This will be the third year in a row that Robbie Anderson will not eclipse 1,000 yards, and it will be the third year in a row that he had to play four or five of his games with absolutely atrocious quarterback play. And he's going he's gonna to finish up with enough, enough yardage that you'll look at it and go, 
yeah, if he had a competent quarterback for those four games, five games, he would have topped 1,000. And uh, what was it, three years ago, of course, he was stuck with Bryce Petty. Yep. And still put up 970 yards. Um, then last year when McCown came in, and McCown was just terrible, to be honest, last season. And uh, and then this year having to put up with Luke Falk. And he's still producing. He's, he's still putting up numbers when given a chance. But uh, he's not going to top 1,000. And it's really not his fault. It's just bad quarterback play. But uh, let's try the phones again. Caller, call him in from 276 area code. What do you got? How you doing? Good, good. What do you got? My dad has a bleed in his brain. All right, there's another call that it wasn't working out. So uh, give us a try again yeah, if you can. That was, uh, <clears throat> you were coming in broken up. So give us another shot. So basically Robbie is going out there. When he gets the opportunity, he's producing. Uh, we've seen the expanded route tree, but we saw that at the end of last year. That's another thing that surprises me. Um, yet fans, that you get the impression they watch every game every year, um, and they see Robbie make a couple catches over the middle of this year, and they're like, oh, look, he can do that. And it's like, yeah, you know, if you saw the last four or five weeks last year, he, he was doing all these things. And uh, Adam Gase said that he was going to expand Robbie's route tree this year. We didn't see much of that. He said Robbie would be a big part of the offense. We didn't see much of that. Um, it's just been kind of hit and miss. Some weeks it's four targets, some weeks it's nine. Um, but when Robbie produces, uh, obviously the team is that much better for it. But I don't know, Alex. I, I feel like if they wanted him back, they would have gotten a deal done sooner. I, th- I think what's going to happen here is that Gase is looking at this as Robbie isn't a guy he wants on his roster. But if Robbie keeps doing this, they're not going to have a choice. How do you let, how do you let a guy walk? who's playing at this level. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the the lack of interest in Robbie from the Jets. Um, I know, of course, he's had his off-field issues, but it's not as if he hasn't cleaned up his act, and it's not as if he hasn't produced on the field. And, you know, we talked about it after the trade deadline. He actually looked genuinely happy to not to have not been dealt. See, he looked very happy to be a Jet. And I think that he's a guy that, wants to be here and he's producing here and this team needs playmakers. How can, can you let a guy like that walk? I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because, and you know, for me, um, I'm, I'm going to be very, very patient. Uh, I, I am a little skeptical at this point in time with, with things that are going on with the front office, uh, that whole scenario, um, you know, Adams is a sore spot for me, clearly. Uh, I've stated that on this show and on Twitter at length, at nausea. But, uh, you know, it was Robbie. Uh, there was talk, I believe Manish had said that Marcus May was also in conversation and Left Bell was in conversation and, and clearly Jamal Adams. So I'm really not sure, you know, what their agenda is or, or what they're thinking down the line or, uh, you know, for the future of, of this team, because in my mind, the future is Sam Darnold and everything, every decision that they make on an offensive standpoint has to be for his benefit. And I don't understand why 
there would be any sort of thought process to where Robbie Anderson would not be a benefactor to Darnold's progression. Uh, he, he does things that not a lot of people can do. Um, every week I watch the film, and, and it's unfortunate. You can't throw the ball his way every time, but he finds ways to get into open space and make DBs look bad, um, even some good ones. So, uh, and, and I also noticed that there were certain times in which they were hanging a safety over top and, and putting a, a guy to try to press Robbie Anderson. So, so teams are even, you know, scripting to, to take him out entirely. And yet Sam's still finding him and, and Gase is still drawing a place to get 11 open in space. So I, I can't put my thumb on it. Uh, like you said, you know, now might be a better time to do it before you get into the free agency and you start getting, he starts getting other calls from other teams and you get into a bid war. So, I'm not sure what they're thinking, but now or, you know, within the next three weeks would be a really good time to get one thing off the checklist done and, and get Robbie Anderson, you know, maybe not a huge contract, but maybe a three, four year deal. Uh, Something that, you know, shows the fans, this team that they are going all in to do what's best for Sam. And clearly he's, been one of the more reliable targets for, for Darnold. And, and I just don't understand why he would not be in the future play, game plan. Well, because he's not a number one receiver, Alex. That's why. I mean, no. <laughs> well, why in the world would you sign him? He's not a number one receiver. And this is a, this is something that only applies to Robbie Anderson. It's just, it's, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable. It really is. Especially when you see the way this offense performs when, when Robbie Anderson gets going. And we saw what they did at the end of last year when he got going, and we've seen what happens this year when he has an opportunity. And I just, I'll tell you what, if that guy leaves, you know, and he, like, I see him landing in a team. Honestly, if he leaves the Jets, I'm thinking he lands in Miami because he's a Miami kid. Or being coming out of Temple and knowing that area, I mean, I think we can all see how badly the Philadelphia Eagles need a wide receiver, and we know they tried to trade for Robbie a year ago. So yeah. I think if Robbie leaves, if you, you put Robbie Anderson with Carson Wentz, and all of a sudden Robbie Anderson, all these, uh, all these people saying he's not a number one guy, they're going to they're gonna have some explaining to do because he's going to put up some big numbers if you, go, if you pair him with a quarterback like that. And the offense, you know, the, you get him with a coach that, that actually wants to make him – a big part of the scheme. So Robbie to me needs to be re-signed. The other guy you need to get done who they, you know, we talked about it last week, Jordan Jenkins. He had a couple sacks this week. And Jordan Jenkins, he's picking up some sacks. A lot of his sacks, a lot of his sacks are definitely effort sacks. He doesn't blow guys off the ball. He doesn't blow past blockers, but uh, he's just relentless in his effort. And if, if the quarterback can't find somebody open, Jenkins will get there. And there's nothing wrong with that, um, you know, because just the fact that he's getting there when he gets the opportunity, I understand he's not Von Miller, but he's still a guy who, if if the defense gives him a chance, he'll get to the quarterback. So two more sacks this week, giving him seven for the year. <clears throat> and I feel like I feel like Jenkins and Robbie are both probably in that $10 million a year range 
if they get a deal. So given what the Jets have, and we may have discussed this last week, so I hate to get repetitive, but looking at what Robbie did this week, what Jenkins did this week, if you're the Jets, do you do you dole out $20 million a year for those two guys over the next three, four, five years? Yeah, the, the number game seems to be a little tricky here uh, <clears throat> because, again, there's another player that's currently on this roster that's making between 8 to $9 million a year in Quincy Anunwa. And, you know, my perspective, and I think Quincy's great, but at the end of the day, it's what do you do on the field? Um, how often are you, you know, on the field? And uh, everything in my mind tells me that Robbie Anderson's been more consistent. He's been a, the healthier individual, and he's clearly scored more touchdowns than Quincy Anunwa has in the last two years. So I'd like to see him get a deal similar to – to Anunwa, you know, maybe right around a $30 million deal, you know, nothing over $40 million, um, in total. And if you can try to stretch that out to around four or five years, somewhere right around that range where it's about eight to nine, very similar to the Anunwa deal, I think I'd be comfortable with that. Um, I don't know if that's what Robbie's going to be looking for, um, you know, because every agent – uh, will be blowing smoke and, and saying you're worth more than that. You know, get more. You're you bet on yourself. So uh, clearly, that'll that's where I would be comfortable. I'm not sure where Joe Douglas and the Jets will be. Uh, but as far as Jordan Jenkins, uh, you know, from what I saw last year, um, there was a few guys that I kind of felt would be bargain deals, and they went for significantly higher than I had anticipated. And, and those edge players were Darius Smith, uh, Preston Smith, uh, Dante Fowler. All these guys got deals between that 12 to $14 million range. And if you look at their numbers, they're, they're quite comparable to what Jordan Jenkins had done going into that free agent year. I think those guys were all around you know, the somewhere between the seven to ten range. I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but they weren't off the charts great. But yet they got paid fairly well, and and I think that's just kind of how the position uh, is, and and that's what the the amount calls for. Um, I don't know if if Jordan Jenkins is worth a over a ten million dollar a year deal, um, but if you know, I put this uh, poll out the other day, and. Uh, you know, would uh, is it possible for, for Jordan Jenkins to get 10 sacks this year? And, uh, you know, quite a few people thought that that was possible. And if he does hit that double-digit range predicated on what people were getting last year, it, it looks like he could be looking at a double-digit uh, million, you know, 10 million, 11 million per year style contract. Um, and then at that point, you know, we've got to hope that, his play continues to either be where it's at or greater. Um, and that may be a lot to ask for for him. So that's definitely interesting um, and, and something that, you know, Joe Douglas will have to have to consider um, during the offseason. Is Jordan Jenkins of that value? Does he see them as, you know, we look at other edge defenders in this league? And that'll be very, very difficult for them to, to have to determine and, you know, if they let him walk, then we clearly know that, you know, seven to eight sacks a year is not what, 
Joe Douglas thinks is is a premier edge style defender. Yeah, and and on on the uh, the topic of salaries, I was getting back to Robbie real quick. Uh, the, the 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 name we keep hearing, and rightfully so, because it's a good comparison, is uh, Terrell Williams, who signed with the Raiders this past all season. Uh, similar player, Robbie Terrell Williams does have a thousand yard season under his belt, but um, looks like they're pretty much neck and neck if you if you look around look at about their average per se- average yards per season, and uh, he got eleven million a year. So yeah. all this talk about oh Robbie's not getting ten. Robbie, he's not worth $10 million a year. Well, another dude who plays pretty much the same game Robbie does, um, except Robbie averages more yards per catch, if I'm not mistaken, over the last couple of years. Or they're right in the same ballpark. They're around sort of – they're both around 15, 16 yards a catch. Um, and they're just very similar players. And Williams got $11 million a year. So $10 million or in that ballpark is not out of the, is not out of the question. And I would venture to guess that that's what Robbie Anderson ends up getting. And some fans might be surprised by that. And same goes for Jordan Jenkins. Fans seem to be, oh, he's not that good, he's not that good. I think he's going to be in the $10 million range. And whether fans realize that or not, and look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe maybe we'll see Jordan Jenkins signed somewhere for 6 or $7 million a year. Uh, but I highly doubt that. And I think the Jets are going to have, uh, you know, they have a decision to make. I mean, listen. Right now, as things stand, and we're going to, next week, we're going to, Alex, what I want to do is kind of do a, a little bit of a deep dive on the on the, the salary cap coming up 2020. We'll take, take a, look, a glance at some quick numbers right now on overthecap.com. Uh, check them out for all your salary cap questions. But overthecap.com has j- the Jets, as of this moment, projected to have $62 million in cap space next year. Um, now, that's before adding in the number that came out a couple of days ago is that the cap is expected to rise by 10 to 12 million a year. So let's say it goes yeah. up 10 million. That puts the Jets at 72, right? And let's say they do cut, they do part ways with Tremaine Johnson, which is what everyone's expecting. That's 12 million in dead money. That's money you can't spend, um, but you're saving three. So that bumps you up to what? 75 million. Okay, then you can move on from Brian Winters, which a lot of people expect. That gets you up to $82 million. You cut Darrell Roberts, now you're at $88 million. Josh Bellamy, to me, for two point two and a quarter million, he's not worth it. You cut him, now you're up to $90 million. Now where it gets a little bit interesting is if this team does look to move. Now, no, let, let's say that. Let's work with that number right now. Let's say the Jets are at $90 million. And then let's say they deal Le'Veon Bell. We have no idea how that's going to impact because the Jets are going to end up picking up some of his salary. Yeah. As a, according well, according to over the cap, that would be that would be minus three point five million, uh, with nineteen million in dead money. So you'd lose three and a half million in cap space. So that'd bring you down to what eighty six and a half, and then. Jamal Adams is the other name, and that's that's the topic we're going to cover next. He would be a seven million dollars, seven million in dead money, zero savings. But basically, throwing those names out, those hypothetical moves, that puts the Jets at eighty million in cap space, 
And if they, you know, if if Bell goes, I think you're adding a third rounder. If if Jamal Adams goes, I think at the very least you're adding a one and a three. And that was something that came up on Rob Bacchiano, uh SNY. Uh, you know, speculated that the Jets could, you know, he thinks the Jets could realistically look to move Bell and Adams. I agree. I'm not saying whether or not I think they should. Uh, I don't think they should, but I also understand why they would. Um, understanding why someone does something does not mean you're agreeing with them doing something. I think Jamal Adams is a rare talent. I think having a guy who can stop the run, who can get to the quarterback when you rush him off the edge, who can uh, who can defend against the pass, those guys are a rare breed. And who get, and who gives the effort that he gives? I think you try to keep Jamal Adams. But and you know, there's no, no need to go over it a million times. But you know, we we talked about why I think that could happen, and obviously others think the same. And then Bell, of course, uh, probably fetches you a third. So then you're at 80 million in cap space with a third rounder you got for Leo, you, you, and another one for Bell, and maybe another one for Adams. You could have four third rounders um, and two first rounders, and 80 million in cap space. That's a, that's a that's a good start to rebuilding your roster. But um, whether or not the Jets go that far remains to be seen. But the question I have, Alex, is. Why, why do we see as many fans as we do? And this is another thing, you know, another sort of trend that any time you talk about this upcoming off season, everything is just about the O line, which we all know this team needs to rebuild their O line. But I don't think fans understand how much cap space this team will have, and potentially right. how many picks they'll have. And they treat it as if, like, and it happened earlier. You know, I'll say, like, we sign Robbie. No, we need O-line. Like, people, and people do the same thing with the draft. You say, like, draft this guy. No, we need corners. And it's like, dude, they have seven picks. They have 80 million. Nobody's saying not to sign offensive linemen if you re-sign Robbie Anderson. Re-signing Robbie Anderson does not prevent you from signing offensive linemen. And I don't mean to keep making things about Robbie. My whole thing is, why aren't people looking at the big picture? Um, and what what is your reaction, Alex, if this does happen? If if the Jets go into this offseason, let's say they do trade Le'Veon Bell, they do trade Jamal Adams, because a lot of fans are saying that would be the last straw for them. Like, enough is enough. We finally have some elite talent. And if we trade them, what the hell are we doing? And why the hell am I a fan of this team? Well, I, I would hope you would try to reach out to me and make sure that I'm well um, in, in with my mental state because I might have to admit myself to a psych ward um, if if these speculation and hypotheticals come to fruition in the off season. But uh, and you know what the, the funny part is about this is a a rumor becomes an article and then the article gets posted, people read it, people retweet it, people from, you know, amateur writing websites start to feed into it and they start to write it. And, and then next thing you know, people are talking as if this is, you know, but the plans are already drawn. It just needs to be signed off on the minute that the 2020 season begins. And that's what just drives me absolutely bananas that, People will literally just run with whatever they they see or hear or read on the internet. So, I I guess I'm just skeptical when it comes to to getting these these speculated articles. Um, so you know, that's just who I am. Um, I'm not 
I'm not reading those articles. Uh, I just scroll right by them. I don't feed into them. I don't believe them. If they happen, they happen. I'll be upset. Uh, you'll probably see some sort of epic rant either on this podcast or, or somewhere on social media. But at the end of the day, it, the people that go ahead and just just all, yeah, just trade them for this and, and we'll get a one and a two and we'll get a three here and, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll draft three offensive linemen and we'll get a new head coach and we'll, we'll fire the head coach and, you know, we'll, we'll start three rookies next year on the O-line and, and everything is going to work out perfectly fine because we, we have Joe Douglas that's going to figure it all out in, in a single draft. Are you kidding me with that thought process? I, I hate to say this, but that is illogical. Um, just because you can trade a commodity and get mystery picks does not mean that that's automatically going to correct and right all the wrongs that are on this team. It's just not feasible. Um, and, and I can't think of other teams that have tried this approach and, and been playoff contenders or continue to be contenders year in and year out. It just doesn't work out that way. Um, and I hate if I'm you know, bursting anybody's bubble that is on this thought pattern that dealing all the talented players on this team for, for rookie draft picks is, is going to be the answer. I, I just don't see it. Um, number one, you're not telling me who's going to be the new coach, what kind of philosophy we're going to run. You're not giving me what offensive linemen we're going to be targeting in the draft. Um, you're not telling me, you know, who the new running back is going to be. You're not giving me who the new safety is going to be that's going to replace the skill set of Jamal Adams. I mean, give me a break with all this. This is nonsensical. Um, I, I understand that, you know, people feel that Bell and Adams are a luxury for this team. And it's so funny how people just willy-nilly just throw that out there. I even heard recently that Quinn and Williams is a luxury for this team. I know I, the guy hasn't even played a full season. How could he be a luxury for this team? I just well, don't Alex, understand. Uh, in in defense of those people, I I think when people say that, and this is coming from someone who is a huge Quinton Williams fan, I'm a huge Jamal Adams fan. Um, I think what they mean by that is people want the premium positions filled first, and then you get all the extras. Like get your corners, get your edge rushers, get your quarterback and then go out and get the other dynamic players. Whereas my opinion is just get yourself some damn good players. You know, and of course, at some point, you've got to address those other positions. But it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you know, this mentality, kind of what I'm describing with the Robbie thing. Well, he's not a one. Well, you can't sign him until you get an O-line. Like, you've got to, a GM's got to put a roster together with 53 players on it. Get the 53 best players you can. And I get... I kind of get what people are saying, but at the same time, like, what do you do? Do you not draft Jamal Adams, who I, as I just said, can get to the quarterback and stop the run, can play pass defense, can do all three at a high level, can play the slot, can play the boundary, is an emotional leader, uh, you know, on the field. Like, you don't draft that guy because you don't have a corner yet. I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, you know, there are people who are still bitter over the fact that this team didn't didn't draft Sean Watson um, while he was on the board and they, they went with Jamal Adams. That's an entirely different argument. But uh, let's uh, let's try the phones again. Let's keep the third time's a charm here. Caller from 973 Area Code. What's your name? What do you got? How you doing? This is Lou from across the river. How you doing? What do you got for us tonight, man? 
Yeah. Well, I think we got to do something about Bell. I mean, I was, you know, I've been very disappointed. I thought Bell was going to be like, you know, going to help us this year, maybe win some games, but he hasn't really done anything. You know, I think it's time that they got to do something about it. He has to, he has to go. I'm very disappointed in, LeVon, in Le'Veon Bell. And uh, Donald, well, at least he's getting over his ghost uh, epidemic. He's starting, he's starting to come together, but still needs to uh, mature a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I think with Bell, the situation, as we all know, the run blocking isn't there. The run blocking wasn't there last year. The concern for me with Adam Gase is that he's not finding other ways to get him involved. As I said last week and tweeted out last week, uh, 77 snaps out of the slot two years ago in Pittsburgh. 22 so far this year with the Jets. Adam Gase just doesn't really seem to either. Uh, you have to kind of think he just doesn't want Bell to do that well because it got out that Gase didn't want him to begin with. So, you know, I don't think it's any any major surprise that as soon as Le'Veon Bell uh, is out for a week, all of a sudden Adam Gase wants to run the ball 30 times. Uh, oh. You know, whether or not whether or not Le'Veon Bell's running style is better suited for a different offensive line, blah, blah, blah. My thought process is you've got a Hall of Fame running back on your roster and you're supposed to be an offensive genius. Find a way to make it work. Adam Gase hasn't been able to do that. As far as Sam Darnold, he's fine. The ghosting was overblown. It's a common term used by players all the time. Hall of yes. Fame quarterbacks have come out in his defense and said exactly that. Um, I'm not one bit worried about Sam Darnold. He's He's a he's a 22 year old quarterback with 18 starts under it. Or sorry, 23 NFL starts under his belt, uh, with very little support on the O line and very little support at receiver. Yet he still, on a week to week basis, will will make a play that makes you remember that that's why he was taken where he was taken. I'm I'm not worried about Darnold at all. I, what about you, Alex? There are some people that are that are jumping ship or that are that are worried about Darnold because. He's not putting up huge numbers, but really, I think I think you and I are on the same page with this. Yeah, yeah, you and I are seeing eye to eye on this one here. Um, there, there's some things that I've seen progression-wise with Sam. Uh, you can see that they're they're getting a little bit better with the communication up front. Um, Sam's getting more vocal. Uh, I put a tweet out there last night uh, where he's picking up a cover zero defense and. Uh, I don't know if he adjusted to a hot route at that point, uh, but you can see that he got his guys aligned. The blitz came in. He got the ball out in a flash. It was a third down play, and the chains kept moving. And and just little things like that kind of show me that he's learned from that New England game um, because he's never had that style of defense thrown at him over and over and over again at nausea. Um, And clearly – the Jets were not prepared for it. He wasn't prepared for it. Uh, but you can see that there are certain things that he's done uh, in which he's improved upon or learned from, it, at least. Um, is there still a lot of room for him to grow? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I think that he really needs to work on his mechanics this offseason, um, learning to get his feet uh, with his throws um, and, and getting his shoulders and his body motion in the right uh position when he's trying to make particular style throws I think he has to get a little bit of lower body strength so he can learn to use his whole body when he's making certain throws so that you know he's not under throwing certain deep balls by just trying to go you know all wrist or all shoulder Um, because he's doing a lot of things with his God-given talent at this point and uh, you know like Glenn said 
The O-line has not been uh, very good at all. They, they haven't been as, as of much help. There are certain times that they do hold up their job, um, but, you know, for the most part, a lot of the good plays we've seen from Sam Darnold are just all on him, where he's leaving the pocket, he's keeping his eyes down the field, and, and he's throwing the ball accurately for strikes. So there are good things that, that Sam has to negate the poor offensive line play, but you can't expect him to do that every single time he goes back uh, to, to throw the ball. Um, you do have to give him some clean pockets, and so this way that he becomes more accustomed to being a pocket passer rather than someone that only can produce off script when the play breaks down. Um, so I understand where you're at. Um, as far as the Le'Veon Bell situation, it's definitely a disappointment. Um, I said something earlier this year, um, reflecting from last year, when we were talking about how the offensive line would be improved. Um, the fact that if Isaiah Crowell could have been successful with, with you know, 60% of this offensive line, imagine what Le'Veon Bell could do. Um, clearly that did not happen. And the decisions yeah. that we made in the offseason didn't work out. The next man up really hasn't worked out. We thought we had something with Alex Lewis, but we've seen that, you know, he's always good for a holding penalty and or something here and there. Uh, we've seen a lot of interior pressure. And, uh, you know, as of, as of late, Tom Compton has been a little bit of a liability on the interior side as well. So, you know, it it's hard to – to give a full evaluation of what the potential of this offense could be because of the restrictions that we have at the offensive line. And I know this sounds like an excuse and everything like that, but at the end of the day, we have to be real with ourselves. Um, if we yeah, had we better play, we would have better numbers. Uh, go ahead, Cole. Yeah. Well, you're right about that. We do have better play. We, our numbers would improve, but you know, it hasn't, it hasn't uh, been that way. I, w- no, I was hoping we were, I was hoping we were gonna get better this year, but um, you know, I mean, they made some strides this year, but you know, just not bad enough. And it really has, it really has, um, me. I think a lot of other Jets fans concerned. I mean, well, listen, I think we were all hoping that I mean, we, we, all, we, we all had higher hopes, but lo- losing, you know, Kalicio Semeli, I think, is the guy who's sort of the forgotten man here, but expectations were so high because he was he was supposedly healthy and you're going from uh from a season where the left guard the last couple seasons, the left guard position has been an absolute disaster and you go from uh from that to getting a, a, a Pro Bowl player who was reportedly, you know, had dropped a bunch of weight, was healthier than he'd been in years. So you were expecting at least above average play out of the left guard position. And then, of course, you pay $8.4 million for Ryan Khalil, so you're thinking, all right, you're going to get at least slightly above-average play from center. Both those positions have been complete disasters, or at least those two guys were, meaning that the running game never got going, and, uh, and that just had a, a, an effect for, you know, between yeah. Sam Darnold having mono and then Luke Falk playing behind terrible offensive linemen, you just had games where you couldn't move the ball. Um, you know, Adam Gates, yeah. of course, wasn't really willing to to adjust his game plan, and we saw that. You know, as I as I kept killing them for, uh, you know, they went two weeks without being able to convert a third uh, a first down on on third and third and anything. So really, Osemele and Khalil being terrible, while Donald had mono and Gates was unable to figure out a way to get the ball down the field. Um, it was just a recipe for disaster. But I mean, really, in the win column, they're they're better, and 
you know, there's a few games left. They're not going to beat Baltimore. Um, but no. if they win one of their last two, there's slight improvement. But really, you know, next year, to me, what gives me hope heading into next year is, uh, and I hate to say it because, you know, we've waited so long for the quarterback, but, but man, this defense, I'll tell you what, it, it, only because if Absolutely. you get Williamson and, and, and Mosley back, um, and add them to this unit and get yourself a corner and a, even even a decent, not even a top end, but a decent edge rusher, uh, man, this defense can be special. And then, then you go from there, and the defense is going to keep you in games. The offensive line, we expect to be upgraded. There's no We, we don't know who's going to hit free agency. You know, I look at the free agency. You do it for fun. But, you know, I had this conversation with someone the other day. Every year, 90% of the premium guys or 90% of the top guys, they all resign before free agency hits. So you can say, right. oh, well, look, there, there, are, there are four or five good edge rushers in this this class. Yeah, by the time it starts, there'll be one. And and you're, you're going to be bidding against nine other teams, ten other teams. So yeah. free agency, we have no idea what that's going to bring. Are the Redskins, they let Kirk Cousins walk a couple years ago. Are they going to let uh, Brandon Scherf walk? Because if they do, he, he should be the Jets' top priority. Um and to what you were saying earlier, Absolutely. Alex, with rebuilding the old line through the draft, uh, you can't build the whole thing through the draft. Just you don't get nope. as many plug and play old linemen as you used to because of the way the college game has changed. So at the absolute, I think best case scenario, or or the most sort of conservative estimate, you think okay, we can go into next year with two new starters, two new rookies on the old line. Your first rounder, I, I, unless unless. You know, Chase Young falls to wherever you are. I think you're going O-line in round one. You expect that guy to start. And then maybe another guy who you take with one with your two or one of your threes. And you expect those two to start. And then beyond that, it's developmental guys. And so I think you're looking at a couple free agents uh, at the starter level, a couple draft picks at the starter level, and then some, some sort of mid-lower tier free agents for depth. Any, anything you got anything else for us, caller? Uh, no, I think it just about covers everything I wanted to say uh, for tonight. All right, thanks so, a lot for calling in. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. All right. So uh, we did. Uh, we we covered we covered the game a little bit earlier, Alex. We kind of got off on a on a tangent because of all the the insanity with this uh, between the team and the fan base and the the commentary, the the, the arguments and disagreements. Um, but all in all, who, who who are your studs and duds this week in this uh, this game between the, uh, the the Jets and the Dolphins? We'll give our studs and duds, and then we'll do uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about Thursday night's game, short week. Oh Lord, they had to put us on a short week against the hottest team in football, didn't they? So this is the year of adversity. That's just what we'll kind of label it as. But uh, yeah, let's get into our. Uh, studs and duds comment uh, uh, segment and uh, I have to put Sam Thicken in here Um, you know this was the biggest kick of of this young man's career his life Um, you know for him at least Uh, it didn't seem like that was the best call to do at that time and to put you know, a little bit of a gamble by by Adam Gase to to put the game on the line with, with this kicker but it happened to work out, so I'm happy for Sam Thicken. Um, I don't know if this is going to, you know, get him a job with his team next year, uh, but 
I'm happy for him. Um, I'm glad that he did well. Um, and I guess if I were to go out and label uh, a couple other studs here, I think James Burgess had clearly had his best game of the year, mm-hmm. 13 tackles. Played um, really well. I don't think he would have gotten that pick six. It was a, an exciting play because um, I do think that that ball did hit the ground and it would have been it did. It did. That was a completion. So, but and needless to say, I, it was a good play. It was an exciting play. Um, and, and I'm glad because he's had a couple rough weeks and it was nice to see that, you know, he was actually one of the benefactors from this win. Um, and then I, I guess number one, I would have to say is Robbie Anderson. Um, he's just been on a, on a tear. He's been on a hot streak and, uh, I hope it continues. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Uh, because we're going up against, uh, I believe, Marlon Humphreys and a um, Marcus Peters uh, tomorrow night, and and those guys are are pretty good corners. Um, so that'll be a good test for for Robbie Anderson going up against better talent. Uh, we'll see if he can continue his hot streak going into tomorrow's Thursday night game. Yeah, this one was tough for me because there were a lot of guys, a lot of individual efforts that I really liked. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cheat here, and you're, you'll see what I mean in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go j- just because the guy's had such a rough year, and I feel like he had a, a bounce-back performance, and I like to tip the cap when, when players do stuff like that, even if he did make some idiotic comments earlier in the season. But about Daryl Roberts, that's probably the best we've seen him play at free safety um, because oh, we, haven't, yeah. we have seen him play safety in the past, and it was usually a disaster. Um, I thought he did a pretty nice job, so I wanted to give some credit there where it's due. Uh, Robbie Anderson is my two because, I mean, the guy was just, you know, had himself another huge game. Uh, and really, if Sam Darnold, because Sam Darnold was pretty, in the second half, he was pretty inaccurate. How much of it had to do he with his, getting his hand stepped on, um, we don't really know. But he had Robbie Anderson open deep a couple times. And if Darnold was on target, uh, Robbie would have been in for a career day. And uh, my number one, uh, this is where I'm going to cheat. I'm going with the D-line to everybody. I mean, they were just, especially when I went back and watched the film, Nathan Shepard, phenomenal. Quinnen Williams, Quinnen Williams was like two milliseconds away from, from an incredible day, despite only playing 19 snaps. Uh, had a big TFL, had another one, an even bigger TFL that ended up getting flagged because of a face mask that was unfortunate. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, as we know, can be pretty damn slippery. You wouldn't expect him to be. He yep. looks like somebody's grandfather. Uh, Quinn and Williams got immediate penetration into the backfield several times. Uh, then, of course, as luck would have it, he gets injured. So he only played 19 snaps. He looked in that first drive or two, Quinn and Williams looked like he was on his way to a monster day. Um, but he was Dominant. limited. But even still, Steve McClendon looked fantastic. Nathan Shepard looked fantastic. Foley Fatakasi looked fantastic. Henry Anderson looked pretty damn good. Just everybody, that whole D-line, you can't pick one guy. Um, and I wasn't gonna, uh, I wasn't gonna have my whole list be D line, so the D line right. is my star, my number one, and uh, Robbie and Roberts get the get the three and the two, and your duds, Alex. Uh, the duds here, uh, you know, he had a pretty rough game. Uh, you know, Tom Compton, I'm gonna go with here, uh, <clears throat> and again, I believe that this is one of those scenarios to where, a, we have a poor game plan from Adam Gase with our running scheme and we don't have the personnel that can execute his scheme. So I can't really tell you, you know, it's easy to say that this is all on Adam Gase, 
but it, it could possibly be that he doesn't have the right guys to run what he's trying to do or possibly that what he's trying to do is inefficient, even with talent like Le'Veon Bell um, in the backfield. So uh, it's a tough game uh, for, for Tom Compton, I believe. Uh, if I were to have to say anyone else here, it was kind of a collectiveness with, with the wide receivers. There, there were some drops, again, uh, throughout the course of this game um, that was a little uh, concerning, not helping the young quarterback and Sam Darnold. Uh, and if I, if I had to, to give one more dud, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be odd for me to say this, and a lot of people might be a little shocked in here. I'm going to have to go with Marcus May because um, it was very interesting to see how the roles kind of reversed this week. Um, a lot of people were thinking that this would be a good opportunity for him to you know, make a have a big game and, and step up with Adams being out and he's been he's had a quite a quiet season and you know there were a couple plays where he came into the tackle box and he kind of got washed in, in a few plays and you could definitely see that Marcus May is is he's a good tackler in the open field um, when he takes the right angle um, he's a physical player we've seen him lay the wood in the past but there's something about his instincts inside the tackle box that separates him from Jamal Adams. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe there's not as many p- players like Jamal Adams um, that can do the things that he can do because Jamal Adams, I think, is all instinct when it comes to his play. Um, he can sniff plays out. He, he jumps the count. He just does a lot of good things right that, that other players probably would get caught um, being offsides and, and things like that or encroachment and other things. But uh, I, I kind of feel like he struggled a little bit in, in certain times uh, in the run game and in coverage. But uh, I don't know if that has to deal with the, the type of scheme that Greg Williams specifically had him in, being that he's been off screen in you know a deep cover safety role for so long this year. Um, that his numbers are clearly not what we thought that they may be, and, and switching him into Jamal's uh, versatile, strong safety, linebacker-style role um, may have not been the best thing for his skill set. So just maybe that's an odd one for the fans, but I, I was expecting a little bit more from 20 this past week, and I don't think he did anything like horrific or anything like that, but I was a little disappointed that he wasn't making more impact plays. All right, fair enough. Uh, for me, it's going to be uh, my number three. Really, his first bad game as a pro. Uh, bless Austin. Got beat up a little bit. Had a really, really uh, rough pass interference call. Granted, the receiver had to stop short on his route because the ball was underthrown. But uh, Bless Austin just ran right into him and uh, drew a big flag. But, you know, it, it's a minor hit. The guy wasn't going to play like, uh, you know, a, a number one shutdown corner every single week. Um, so he had a rough week, so he gets my three. Uh, my two is Demarius Thomas. He had a couple big drops early on. I know he atoned for later on with a touchdown, but uh, he's, he's had some issues the last couple of weeks between drops and, and not finishing his route against the Bengals on that, on that deep ball. Uh, it seems like uh, he's had a couple of, couple of bad weeks. Not, nothing I would worry about, it, to, to be honest, given the fact that the guy's been in the league for a million years. He's a pro's pro. He knows what he's doing. He's just had a couple of rough weeks, uh, a couple of hiccups. 
And then I agree. I'm going to go with uh, with my number one is Tom Compton. I thought Compton was pretty bad. Um, that right guard position has just been so bad for several years now. Um, I mean, I still think more more often than not, he's he's playing better than Brian Winters was. But as we know, Brian Winters uh, had a bunch of parts of him that were not functioning properly. Um, so he's now had his surgery, and hopefully on the men, we wish him the best. But Compton gets my number one. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, Alex, uh, before we do the, the preview, um, I don't know if you saw that note that the Jets activated receiver Jeff Smith, the undrafted yes, rookie free agent out of Boston College. Um, here's yeah. a guy, if you were listening to the show in the preseason, um, was very interesting for a couple reasons. Um, aside from the obvious that he runs uh, 4.37, uh, blazing 40 time, he was a guy who originally went to Boston College as a quarterback, so he's a good gimmick play uh, option. And also the fact that, uh, and this is why I wondered if the Jets kind of had something like that in mind for him. It's not very often, Alex, that you see a guy, whether it's the 53-man roster or the practice squad, not very often you see an undrafted rookie who doesn't play in the preseason. Can't get, he's hurt, can't get on the field, and the team still keeps him. And they've kept him all season long on their practice squad. And now he's elevated. Um, what I like about this now is that between, and I tweeted this out earlier, between Robbie Anderson, uh, Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, and Braxton Berrios, the slowest guy in that group is Berrios, who ran a 4-4-4 at his pro day. And we saw him in action on that big catch he had. It looks like he plays faster than a 4-4-4. So you've got a 4-4-4, a couple of 4-3-4s, and I believe Vincent Smith ran a 4-3-7. Um, so you've got, you have some burners on this roster now. Um, now, listen, it's, it's possible they won't even all be active on game day. But I just look at that and think, you know, I have three, four guys who who are legitimate, legitimate, you know, threat if you get the ball in their hands. <laughs> the, one, the big caveat being, what the hell do we know about what Jeff Smith can do against an NFL DB? If he's even active, if he gets on the field, he might just go out there and get his ass kicked. Um, but nonetheless, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, so many years of inept offenses and watching other teams find ways to develop speed guys has always been frustrating for me. So this is an encouraging sign that maybe Joe Douglas is going to put an emphasis on, on getting some burners out there and, and make defenses have to, have to uh, give defenses something to think about instead of these sort of, you know, these, uh, these guys who don't get any yards after the catch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you you spoke uh, about Jeff Smith at length, and uh, it is interesting to see the the type of receivers in which they're bringing in. Um, so, you know, again, this is uh, going to be something that you know I'm going to repeat here that, you know, if if Joe Douglas likes to have guys off on the outside that can take the top off the defense, Sam Darnold's going to have to to learn how to become a more accurate downfield thrower. Um, and use his body when he when he's uh, you know targeting those guys. So it'll be very interesting uh, to see if if Jeff has a role this this week. Um, you know it's a short week, so it, it makes things even harder. Um, and we've also lost Demarius Thomas for this week, so that'll be interesting to see who the next man up is going to be. I believe we saw what that looked like um, earlier in the year when Demarius Thomas was out and they, they moved Crowder to the outside, and he pretty much disappeared. 
So, you know, is Vincent Smith going to be filling in that role for the Demarius Thomas? Uh, you know, that would probably be my best guess um, at the starting three wide receivers. Uh, I think Crowder, uh, who was very interesting because he really seemed to be the go-to guy in November. And the last couple of weeks, he's been a little quiet. Uh, we've seen a couple drops. We've seen a couple throws come his way that were not perfect. But you kind of felt like, you know, if you can touch it, you can catch it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Jameis Crowder, if he stays within the inside um, at the slot receiver role, or is Gase going to put him out of his comfort zone and, and put him out uh, as the X and Y um, as far as X's and O's are concerned, uh, because we've seen a ton of uh, 11 personnel with one tight end and three wide receiver sets. And we're going to be without Griffin this week, and we're going to be without Demarius Thomas. So somebody's got to step up this week um, from this receiving group to help out Sam. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Adam Gase goes about uh, trying to, to keep Sam Darnold rolling um, because he has, you know, been in a little bit of a groove well, as far as Robbie Anderson's concerned. Um, and we clearly would like to see that. And this is definitely going to be one of the biggest tests that this uh, Jets team is going to face because the Ravens are red hot right now. Yeah, you talk about the walking wounded. I mean, the number of guys who were injured. Um, Jamal's not expected to play. Quinn and Williams not expected to play. Poole not expected to play. Griffin not expected to play. Um, it's just it's gotten really ugly. Henry Anderson, Kelvin Beecham, Matthias Farley, Steve McClendon, Ty Montgomery, Nathan Shepard, um, all showing up as oh, questionable on the on if the. If I uh, may, honorable mm-hmm. mention to Nate Harrison stepping in and playing the nickel, coming down with a pick. Also, got to got to put him in there yeah. too. Give him a shout yeah, out. Yeah, that, that was that was, that was pretty that, awesome. That was. A, and it was nice to see him bounce back a little bit because he, he had been struggling recently when he's been on the field. Uh, the Ravens are going to be without uh, Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle, due to a concussion. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, this, this quad injury, if it's legit, and he hasn't had much time to recover, maybe he's not quite as explosive. I mean, really, if you're the Ravens, do you just look at this and say, look, we can start RG3 and win this game. Like, why, why risk Lamar Jackson? Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what route they end up going or if, if they pull Jackson, if he's struggling early on. Uh, but it's a shame that Quinton Williams wasn't, isn't going to be playing in this game because, honestly, after the way he looked last week or this past Sunday, I kind of thought, man, this, this might be interesting in terms of if he can, if he can beat somebody. And, and, uh, and for, I mean, you, the thing with Jackson is you almost don't want to force him off his spot. You know, you just, just don't rush him. Right. Let him sit back there and, and force him to throw because, I mean, he can throw it. It's not to say he can't throw the football. But, uh, man, he, he seems to do a hell of a lot more with his legs. But uh, he, he's just an uber-talented guy who can beat you in a multitude of ways. And uh, when, I see, when I see teams bear down on him, it's almost like you, just, you feel like something very bad is about to happen to that team. Um, and just really a phenomenal story. And a kid who really probably should win the MVP. Um, you know, say the season would end today. Though? It's it's amazing. It really is. Just the, um, the speculation from last year about some analyst mm-hmm. said that this guy would not make it as a quarterback, and you'd probably rather see him as a wide receiver. I mean, people really, really thought that Lamar Jackson didn't have what it took 
to be an efficient NFL quarterback. And he's an MVP conversation in year two. He was the was he the thirty second pick, the last pick in the first round. Yeah, yeah. The Ravens traded back in to the first round to go get him. And uh, you know, as a parting gift from Ozzie Smith, Ravens fans must be ecstatic at this point. Um, and, and that's what's kind of interesting. You know, Ozzie Smith, of course, is a great shortstop with the St. Louis Cardinals. For those of you keeping track at home. Oh, Ozzie Newsome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Always good at uh, catching me on my goose. Uh, so no, I, I do the same thing. Smith. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, you know what? If Tom Brady can go in round six and win some MVPs and Super Bowls, anybody can get overlooked. Uh, the Lamar Jackson thing, I can't remember if we talked about this, Alex, because it hasn't really been a, worth a worthy topic of conversation since uh, since you've joined the show because, of course, he had already been drafted. But my take on uh, on Lamar Jackson, what I didn't like was the media narrative because – um, we were hearing that teams were asking him to work out at receiver at the Combine, uh, something that when Lamar Jackson was asked, he was like, no, that, that didn't happen. Nobody asked me to work at receiver. Um, so that turned out to be a lie. Um, there were people who thought he would be a better receiver. Um, and that I, I understand where some people get upset about it, but my, my take was I need to know who those teams were. Like, because it, it would make complete sense to me if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm picking late in that round, and I have my franchise quarterback, and I don't like any of the receivers on that board, and I'm watching film of this guy run with the ball in his hands, and I'm, I'm not doing my job if I don't go, does anyone know if he can play receiver? Because we need a receiver, and he might be the best one in this draft, and we don't need a quarterback. Um, that I don't have a problem with. Now, if you're talking to me about teams that were in need of a quarterback and saying we want to see this guy receiver, well, then you're a friggin' idiot. Because if you need a quarterback, this guy was obviously a damn good quarterback. So it's kind of it, it's a little bit of malpractice if you're not trying to find as many ways as possible to to, to grow your team. And if, if if you see a guy who you think can do something at an elite level, and uh, you already have someone you're set with the guy you have at at that position already, there's no to me there's nothing wrong with saying hey can this guy do this or that. Um, but anyway, it, it, the guy's a great story, and I love. What I like about him most, I think, is the way he's handled it when he's been asked about this stuff. Um, you know, he, he kind of he can joke about it. He kind of take in a in a in, in the in the nicest way possible. You know, sort of uh, passive aggressively take shots at the teams that that did doubt him, as anybody would. Listen, people people doubt people in life, and everybody loves proving people wrong. And this kid has absolutely done that. Um, you know, I my thing, the thing that jumps out at me is, uh, as was it was it Mangini? Somebody who said it. I know Mangini took some heat, but basically, you know, a lot of these running quarterbacks, like they they start out hot early, and then they, whether for one reason or another, um, they don't last uh, for long term. And look at the guy who's backing up Lamar Jackson right now, as a perfect example in RG three. You know, he looked like he was going to be a perennial MVP candidate. He gets hurt and then he goes down. Michael Vick with Michael Vick was electric, but he never really. I mean, I think Jackson's a much better quarterback than Vick. But uh, listen, uh, I hate the fact that he's probably going to pound the Jets on on Thursday night. But I'm kind of looking forward to watching him play uh, every snap of a game because he's an exciting young player. Yeah, the Jets are definitely going to have their hand full. Um, this is probably one of the harder uh, quarterbacks that. 
Greg Williams is going to have to draw a game plan up for. You know, clearly I think Tom Brady would probably be the hardest quarterback. But, uh, you know, he can do a lot of things um, as far as the RPO and the play action and his mobility. Um, He's a phenomenal runner. He has a very, very strong arm. He can get the ball out in a flash. Uh, As far as the, you know, throwing the deep ball, he has all the arm talent that you could you could want from a franchise. My goodness. Yeah. And and you know apparently uh, if you don't know who he is, hopefully we're not seeing the back of his jersey uh, tomorrow night. You know Marquise Brown, also known as Hollywood Brown. Um, they they've done pretty uh, well uh, for a rookie combo. Um, he's and, he's going to be you know, so he, good. He loves to work the ball to his tight end. So this is going to be a big testament for. You know, not only the outside corners, um, our safeties are going to have to be sound. Our linebackers are going to be tested as far as trying to to cover, you know, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Um, and we haven't even talked about the, the running backs that they have in, in Mark Ingram. Um, and I know that they have a, a young, uh, the Oklahoma State kid, Justice Hill. He hasn't really gotten a lot of uh, touches, but... He's also a very, very good receiver. So not really sure who they're going to throw at us and, and who's going to be the – you really can't focus in on one guy because they do so much uh, collectively um, from so many different positions so from an offensive standpoint. You know, clearly Lamar Jackson is going to be the focus and the center point, and you want to keep him in the pocket um, and, and make him beat you there. Um, that will probably be the best game plan. Uh, because, you know, we've gone up against mobile quarterbacks in the past and we haven't been very, very uh, successful. Um, so this is going to be a really, really good test, um, you know, as far as uh, what are these guys made of. Um, we're going to see, uh, you know, what kind of resiliency uh, that this Jets defense is going to have. You know, from an offensive standpoint, I don't know if we're going to be able to, to compete uh, you know, score for score with Baltimore. This could get ugly fast. Um, but, you know, something you and I were talking about before we went on air is that uh, apparently there's a little bit of a quad issue going on with Lamar Jackson, and he was limited in a couple practices. Um, the uh, backup, uh, Robert Griffin, uh, RG3, was getting a majority of the first-team snaps in the event that something happens to him in this game. He'll be prepared to step in and do his thing, um, which is kind of interesting because you go from one mobile quarterback to another mobile quarterback. So I guess you have to prepare for a runner either way. Um, you know, I guess the only thing that we can kind of hope is uh, we get a little bit of luck on our side. And, uh, you know, anything can happen um, during the course of a game as far as, you know, fumbling, turnovers, this and that. Uh, a lot of luck is probably going to have to happen for the Jets in order to to be looking at a one-score, two-score game going into the fourth quarter. And so with that being said, Alex, before we sign off, what is your score prediction for Thursday night? Oh, Lord. Um I probably have a better over under on how many beers it's going to take me to get through this game. But uh, if I have to give a prediction here, I'm not feeling very confident in this one here. Um, I think things might get out of hand. Um, We just have too much against us as far as the injuries are concerned. Uh, We're still trying to develop something of 
an identity on offense. And, uh, you know, maybe this will be a game where Le'Veon Bell finally gets the, uh, you know, get, gets unleashed. Going to be hard to do against this Baltimore defense. But if I had to say the Jets are going to fall short on this one, uh, 31-13, to, to 13. Um, it, it might get ugly. This this might be one of the uglier games that we see this year. And I just hope everyone is in a safe place, get some comfort food, um, and and bear down because uh, we're going up against a juggernaut here. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, if Lamar Jackson is the man under center for the Ravens all day, 42-10 Ravens. And if it's Robert Eesh. Griffin the third. I'm going to say 39-10 Ravens. So that is it for us tonight, (laughs) Jets fans. uh, Do the best you can to enjoy tomorrow's blowout. Uh, I know for myself and others on this side of the pond, we will be getting up, well, those of us who are insane enough, will be getting up at whatever time, at what, 1, 2, 3, whatever hell time in the morning it starts, um, to watch it, and then I will go through the rest of my day pissed off because I will have gotten no sleep <laughs> to watch another primetime blowout. Thank you so much, Adam Gase and company. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to uh, catching up next week and hopefully hopefully having some positives to talk about. And no, uh, no stupid extracurricular activity that should mean anything to anyone. Have a great week, Jets fans. Take it easy, Jet Nation. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!